0: And welcome back to the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. This is episode number 46. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Ismael San Juan. The Lakers beat the Suns, keeping their hopes alive to take that sixth seed, to not play the play-in. Also, the Knicks get an impressive win over the Clippers. The Knicks are for reals, you guys. Also, the Celtics lose to the Heat. The Heat take a two-game advantage on the Celtics for that last playoff spot. And in the soccer world, in the football world, Real Madrid and Sevilla tie 2-2. La Liga race is still super tight. There was some controversy in that game. We'll touch on that. Manchester City and Chelsea play this weekend before their Champions League tie. And Chelsea beat them 2-1. Also, Wolves come back against Brighton. Beat them 2-1. And last but not least, DK Metcalf competes in the preliminaries for the 100 meters. He does pretty good. We'll touch on DK Metcalf. All of that on this episode of the Hearts Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. In the NBA, the Lakers. The Lakers beat the Suns in an impressive win. The Lakers were tumbling. They were reeling. They were not doing well at all. Kuzma was out. LeBron was out. Schroeder was out. Playing against the second-seeded Suns. It looked like the Lakers were... On their way to lose another game before, before the game started, a lot of people gave the Lakers no hope. They thought Booker, they thought CP3 were going to get it done. But the Lakers show grit, show heart, show a lot of courage, get the win against the Suns to stay alive for the 6th seed. It still looks very likely that the Lakers are going to end up as the 7th seed and play against the Warriors, which would be a crazy matchup. The seventh seed lakers against the eight-seeded warriors that would be amazing but let's give the lakers some credit they played incredible yesterday anthony davis had his best game of the season i believe he finished with 42 points first time he goes over 40 points this season he was great since the beginning all the way to the end played great defense he had i believe like two key blocks towards the end of the game just all around great play by ad Uh, there's one play at the end of the game that really resonated with me when uh, there was like a loose ball, it was Lakers were um, attacking. They were on on the offense, and there was a loose ball. And CP3 and AD are the first ones to like locate the ball. And AD just throws himself at the ground, and that was. And he not not only that, not only did he throw himself at the ground and get the ball, he also had the. The awareness to call a timeout right away so it wouldn't be a jump ball. Even though he probably would have beaten uh, Chris Paul for it, who was the guy that was there. But still, super smart play by AD to keep the possession. Love the hustle. L- love that was a great play. That got me hyped though. That got me off, off of my seat. I was like, yeah, let's go, AD. Let's do it. Other than that, the Lakers, um, they started off hot. I think they started at like 7 0, and then they led almost the whole game. The Suns did make a furious comeback. Like in the third quarter, fourth quarter, they brought it down to single digits, but the Lakers did just enough to hold on to the victory. Um, the Lakers are still they're still game back from the Trailblazers, so and they don't have the tiebreaker tiebreaker against the Trailblazers, so it looks like uh, the Lakers are gonna finish in the seventh seed. This this uh, this stretch of bad play has really hurt the Lakers. Um, even with this victory, they've only won three out of their last ten games. So it does look like the Lakers are gonna finish in the seventh seed, and if that happens, if they if they beat um, the Warriors or whoever the eighth seed is, and keep that seventh seed, it does look like we would see a Lakers versus Suns first round playoff matchup. And honestly, as a Laker fan, I'm pretty sure there's other Laker fans. I've seen Laker fans on Twitter say that that would not be the, the that would not be the end of the world. Obviously, one of the downsides of playing in the plane. Is that you don't get rest? Um, All the other teams get like four or five. I think some some even get six days rest from when the season ends to when the regular playoffs start. Obviously, that would be great for the Lakers, especially uh, with an older LeBron and some of the older players. But I think the Lakers would come out out of the playing either the seventh seed or the eighth seed. I do believe they would come out. I don't see that. I don't see the Lakers losing two games to not make the playoffs. So if they do make the seven seed, they play the Suns. And if they make the eight seed, they play the Jazz, which they have been the best teams in the NBA. But I think when the playoff comes, I don't think they have the horses. I don't think they have the star players to get it done. So if I'm being honest, I would as a Laker fan, or even as a neutral, like if I wasn't a Laker fan, if I was just one of these fans, like of the Warriors, Grizzlies, Spurs, or even the Pelicans, they're still kinda alive. If I'm one of those if I'm a fan of one of those teams. I would rather see the Jazz and the Suns than the Clippers in the playoffs. So the Clippers did just lose against the Knicks, and we'll touch on that in a little bit. But if I'm I'm one of these teams that are going to be in the playoff, playing scenario, I would rather see the Suns or the Jazz and make them prove it in the playoffs. I know the Clippers choked last year, and I know the Nuggets, you know, they don't have a... They don't have Jamal Murray, but I would still rather see the the Suns probably in the Jets. So I think this was a big victory for the Lakers, not only because it keeps them alive. If they would have lost this game, it's almost done. They're, they're in the play-in. Right now, with with four games still left, there's still a possibility that the Trailblazers choke. Um, they don't have that good of a defense. They've had some rough stretches, too. They're, they're on a three-game winning streak, so I don't see them falling out of the sixth seed. But there is still a possibility that the Lakers are able to catch up to the Blazers and they finish at the sixth seed and they get those five, six days, four to six days extra of rest. But if that's not the case, then I, I think this victory bodes well for the Lakers. I think we might look back at this victory and think, damn, this was a turning page for the Lakers. Like this, this is where we saw them kind of turn it around and, and okay, after this, this is when they started playing as a team again. They started hustling for the ball again. Their defense got better. Ad found his groove. He's been injured on and off the whole season. It's been uh, it's been frustrating to say the least. I think this might be the turning point. This might be the game that we see. We look back at and we see, damn, the Lakers turned it around after beating the Suns, and now they have all the, all they have they have all the belief, they have all the momentum, going into the playoffs. If the Suns Lakers. Uh, playoff matchup does happen I think the Lakers wouldn't be favored obviously the Suns have uh, had a great regular season but I think the Lakers would not be intimidated I don't think they would mind that matchup Um, and the Suns would have a home court or banished this game was at Staples Center but I still think the Lakers wouldn't wouldn't really mind too much playing the Suns as long as everybody's healthy I'm pretty sure Kuz could have played maybe yesterday But I think right now the Lakers are just focusing on getting everyone healthy and ready for the playoffs. So overall, big victory by the Lakers. Biggest takeaway from this is AD had his best game all season. If AD is playing elite basketball, if LeBron comes back and he's playing LeBron type of basketball, the Lakers become an instant title contender. So it was nice to see AD get back in the groove, um, scoring over 40 points, being a menace on defense. Caruso was a menace on defense. There's a lot of hustle plays out there. The Suns, you know, they've been doing pretty good. They came, they came in, like, winning, like, six or seven out of their last ten. So it was a good victory by the Lakers um, end-to-end game. Like, they led from the first quarter, and I don't think they ever were behind. So good victory by the Lakers. Also yesterday, the Knicks and the Clippers played on Sunday, and the Knicks... Take an impressive victory against the Clippers, 106 to 100. The Clippers started off very hot. They started off with a 10-0 lead on the Knicks, but the Knicks, have they shown this season, they have a lot of heart. They have a lot of grit. Tom Thibodeau is one of those coaches that's known for his defense. is known for he's known for firing up his players. He's known for having teams that never give up. That they're gonna be pests. They're gonna be pests from the first quarter to the last quarter. They're gonna give you a lot of energy. Some some people say fault Tom Thibodeau for that type of way. Um, they say that his team's kind of burned out by the time the playoffs get here. We'll see how that plays out this season, but it has to be said that it's working right now for the Knicks. If you're a Knicks fan, this is probably the most excited you've been about your team in a long, long time. I, I would argue that I would be more excited about this Knicks team than uh, those Carmelo Anthony, Anthony teams. Yeah, those teams, uh, maybe. I don't know. Those, those teams, I might, I might be... Uh, Stuck in the present too much, but this team is exciting as a neutral. Seeing the Knicks play and make these comebacks, Derrick Rose signing, getting traded by the um, by the Pistons to the Knicks, it's just been a sight to behold. And I I I enjoy watching Knicks basketball. Uh, let me guys, let me know what you guys think about the Knicks. If you guys are Knicks fans, let me know. Um, do you think this is a better team than those Carmelo Anthony teams um, that, that made the playoffs, or is this a uh, kind of like a little bit before them because i'm very excited about this Knicks team like since they traded for derrick rose they've uh have a 27 and 15 record they're the fourth seed in the east right now so they could get home field advantage in the first round and it looks like they're either going to play the hawks in the heat and the knicks as, as they're playing right now I, I would not be surprised if they make it to the second round and they give one of these other teams a, a run for their money um derrick rose yesterday was amazing I love seeing Derrick Rose play. I love seeing Derrick Rose succeed. I love, I love his comeback story. For a second there, it looked like it wasn't gonna happen. Uh, I know he had like a fifty-point game with the Timberwolves, and that was amazing too. But now I think this is the best I've seen Derrick Rose since his, since you know his low downhill that he had after the Bulls with all those injuries with the meniscus with the ACL. I think this is the best I've seen of Derrick Rose. His three-point shot looks good, which is crazy because I thought it, he was never gonna get it. Or for a second there, it looked like, you know, he's always gonna be like a mediocre to below average three-point shooter. But now he's shooting like above 40. He might be on 41 percent with the Knicks, and he just looks smooth. He looks silky smooth. He can still get to the rim at will. He has. He still has a, a good, a good enough burst to accelerate past most defenders, and he just looks calm and composed most of the time when he has not ball. So I, I love, I I love watching Derrick Rose against. Uh, Coming off the bench for the Knicks. Yesterday he had 25 points, six rebounds, eight assists. He was the main man for the Knicks. He was the main man for the Knicks yesterday. Julius Randle didn't really have um, too many points yesterday. He finished with 14 points, I believe. Um, and he had six in the last three minutes. So he had eight points basically the whole game. Derrick Rose was the one that kept him in the game, brought them back, kept them even kill with the Clippers. But Julius Randle, a most improved player of the year in my opinion eight points through three quarters and about nine minutes and in the last three minutes when the knicks needed someone to close out the game julius Randle shows up gets six points in the last three minutes to close out the game and and they were sending they were sending anybody that they were sending a uh, Batoum they were sending um paul george it, it, they were sending a bunch of people at julius Randle, and it didn't matter he got to his spot. He got to that mid-range shot that he's perfected this season. And he came he came through for them, got them the win, impressive victory by the Knicks. Man, like if I'm if you're a New Yorker, you should be excited. Like yeah, this is this this is the year of the Nets. Everyone's talking about the Nets, but the Knicks. The Knicks are stealing headline, man. I I, I love watching the Knicks play. They're a fun team to watch. They're like an underdog story kind of, so like it's fun to, it's fun to root for them. And now the Knicks have a one-game advantage on the Hawks and the Heat with four games left. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see how they're able to finish out the season. The Lakers, the Spurs, the Hornets, and the Celtics are remaining in the Knicks schedule. So it, the Lakers might be a little tough. Celtics at the end, tough. Spurs and Hornets are battling for the play-in positions. So it's it's a kind of rough stretch. But the Celtics. Um, they have a three-game lead against the Celtics, who are the seventh seed. So, if worst comes to worst, I don't think the Knicks will slip into the playing position. There will be a playoff team this year. There's playoff basketball coming to New York, and that is amazing. So, go Knicks! As far as the as far as the Clippers go, um, they're still the third seed. They have a one-game lead over the Nuggets. Uh, the Clippers, they were all healthy. Uh, I think. The Clippers are still probably the most dangerous team in the Western Conference right now. I think this was just a, a good game by the Knicks. But the Clippers finished with the Raptors, the Hornets, the Thunder, and the Rockets. So they could run the table. They're probably not going to catch up to the Suns. They have a three-game advantage on them. So I'm pretty sure the Clippers, at this point in time, they're they're kind of locked in at at the three spot. So we'll see who ends up at the six between the Mavericks or the Trailblazers. I I don't think the Lakers are gonna have enough in them to climb out, out of the seventh seed. So we're either probably we're either gonna see a Clippers Mavericks or Clippers Trailblazers um, playoff series. I would I would like to see a Clippers Trailblazers. Last year Clippers Mavericks was a great was a great uh, first round matchup, but I think this year i I'm, I would love to see a Trailblazers versus Clippers uh pg-13 versus damian lillard rematch i think that would be amazing so that's what i'm rooting for i'm rooting for clippers trailblazers um matchup i'm not too worried about the clippers i don't think this losing to the knicks is anything to to you know be upset about the knicks the knicks are, are a great team they were in la though but the knicks the knicks are a good team so there's nothing wrong wrong about that i think uh the clippers have been playing good as of late so i it's not, it's not a bad thing for the Clippers. I think they will They might finish 4-0. They might run the table, and they'll be ready for the playoffs. But the Knicks, the Knicks are nice, man. If you guys haven't watched Knicks basketball, they have one of the best commentators. Um, so the whole ambiance of watching Knicks games is nice. I like watching Knicks games. So make sure to catch some Knicks games if you haven't. But also yesterday, the Celtics and the Heat played in a very pivotal game. That will determine positioning in the Eastern Conference. The Celtics were behind the Heat. The Celtics came in at 35 and 32. Heat came in at 36 and 31. So just a one-game difference. Pivotal game for the Celtics if they want to avoid the playing. Unfortunately for them, the Heat beat them 130 to 124. The Heat had a big lead. They led by like 39 20. 53 to 79 was the halftime score. So they were up 26 at halftime. And as it's customary for the Celtics as of now, they get down early, they fall back, and then they try to make a furious comeback in the third, in the fourth. Sometimes it's enough, but most of the time it's not. They do have very interesting games because they usually always make it a game. They never really lose or get blown out like too bad. They usually always find a way to come back and then they lose. And now you. Celtics fans if you could if you guys could attest to this it's even more frustrating because if you're after the game you're just like man if we just didn't start so horribly we could have beaten these guys like we showed in the third and the fourth quarter that we could outscore these guys that we could play with them that we're good enough to beat them but because in the first quarter in the first five ten minutes we came out We came out dead, we came out with no energy, we came out last days ago, we came out just firing up dumb shots, and we fell 20 points, we fell down big, we we dug ourselves a hole too big to come overcome, and that was the case again for the Celtics this time, Uh, now with this loss, the Celtics are two games back, but luckily for the Celtics, they do play on Tuesday, so this is probably the most important game for the Celtics and the Heat respectively, the Celtics are two games behind the Heat, but they're tied 1-1 in the regular season series. So if they steal, if the Celtics win the game on Tuesday, there will be one game back against the, Celt- against the Heat. And they will have the tiebreaker. So meaning if they end up tied, the Celtics get the tiebreaker and they win. They move up. So for the Heat, who do have a tough schedule, the Heat uh, the Heat are 7-3 and over the last um, over the last games, but the Heat finish against the Celtics, the 76ers, and the Bucks. They do finish an easy game against the Pistons, but if, this, if the Heat lose to the Celtics and then they lose to the 76ers or the Bucks, just one of them, then they're in trouble if the Celtics run the table. So for the Heat, win this game and you're through, you're on to the playoffs. Basically, you have a three game advantage against the Celtics. You have will you would have won. The season series, so that means it's basically four games. So this is a pivotal game on Tuesday, Heat versus Celtics. Um, For the Celtics, if you want to look at positives from the game yesterday, Jason Tatum and Fournier had good games. Jason Tatum had 29, and Fournier had 30. Uh, that trade for Fournier is starting to look better and better. I think the Celtics need to re-sign Fournier. He's been great for them. He's He's been able to give an, um, another scorer, especially with Jalen Brown missing time because of injury. Fournier has been pivotal. He, he he stretched the floor. He can get his points. He looks smooth out there. He looks like he's a great fit for the Celtics. So if I'm the Celtics, I'm re-signing Fournier at the end of the season. But the Celtics do need they need Jalen Brown to come back. They need Jason Tatum's partner. They need um robin they got their batman they need robin they they desperately need jalen brown to come not just because of their defense but not just because of his offense but because of his defense i think if jalen brown is there he could kind of you could put him in and he could fill up that hole that the celtics have on defense right now they're one of they're not an elite defensive team that we've been known that we have known them for these last few years under brad stevens before the Heat, the Heat are seven and three over the last ten games. Jimmy Butler finishes with twenty six points. Bam Adebayo finishes with twenty. Trevor Ariza finishes with nineteen. Duncan Robinson finishes with twenty two. So all around, they shared the ball. Everyone got to eat. The Heat spread the ball. Like I said, the Heat look like they're they're catching form right now. Will they be able to go all the way back to the finals? That's that's still that's still um, to be seen. But their players are catching form. Jimmy Butler has been great the whole season. Bam, too. But Trevor Arisa and his, like, 10th team looks like he's a key contributor for them. Duncan Robinson, that three-point shot is coming back. Even Tyler Hero had some key moments yesterday where he, he, it looked like his three-point shot was coming back, too. So the heat, the heat might be dangerous in the playoffs. Whoever gets the Heat in the first round is going to be a tough series, especially if the Bucks. right now it's the Bucs versus the Heat – and we know what Bam Adebayo would do to uh, Giannis, especially because Giannis still hasn't really developed a mid-range shot or a three-point shot. So the Bucks, the Bucks, the Bucks might not want to see the Heat. I think they might rather see the Celtics, especially with Jalen Brown having a hobbled ankle. But if, if you took away anything from this game, is that the Celtics keep digging themselves in a hole and then they make furious comebacks. This time it was, it was not enough. The Heat looked like their team is. Building momentum towards the playoffs, like I said, seven out of their last ten games have been victories. If they beat the Celtics on Tuesday, it is pretty much guaranteed that they will not fall into the play playing spot, and they will be in the playoffs. And as of right now, they could still catch up to the Knicks for the fourth seed, so don't be surprised if the Heat finish top four seed. They do have a very tough schedule, 76ers, Celtics, Bucks, and then they finish with the Pistons. But we'll see. It's gonna be it's gonna be a photo finish to the end. Um, like regardless, like for the playoff spots, for the playing spots, I think it's been a great season. Especially the end, the, the, this end of the regular season has been exciting. It's, it's been great. So tune in to the Heat versus Celtics on Tuesday. That's gonna be a very pivotal. There's a lot of pivotal games coming up this week, especially. But Celtics versus Heat might be the most pivotal game in the East. So tune on, tune in to that one. And switching along to soccer, Real Madrid versus Sevilla played on Sunday to a 2-2 draw. Uh, Super disappointing result if you're a Real Madrid fan. Um, After Atletico and Barcelona tied 0-0 the day before, it left the door wide open for Real Madrid to get a victory against Sevilla and move into first place of La Liga, take control of the La Liga race. And unfortunately for Real Madrid, they tied 2-2 against Sevilla, and they're still chasing Atletico Madrid. But there was a lot of controversy in this game. Uh, the game was 1-1, I believe, when when Real Madrid looked like they had a counterattack. Benzema against the keeper, uh, he, he goes around him, draws a penalty. It looks like Sevilla's keeper is gonna be sent off. It looks like Real Madrid is about to take a 2 1 lead and they're gonna to go top of the table. But then Var comes, interferes, and they check the the previous corner kick in the Real Madrid uh box. And it shows that Militao, when he was trying to of the ball, he turns his back to the ball. His arm is extended. It hits him in the back of his in, in the forearm, I believe. It might have hit his shoulder and then his forearm. And then that kind of sparked the Real Madrid uh, counterattack, uh, like one or two rebounds after that. And when VAR checked it, they take the goal. They take the penalty away from Real Madrid. They take the possible red card away from the Sevilla goalkeeper. And they give a penalty to Sevilla. Rocketish steps up 2-1 Sevilla. What a change of event. And this would not be so upsetting. Obviously, there was some contact of the ball in the hand. And uh, the way it's been called throughout uh, European's top five leagues this season, like all right, that that does have merit for a penalty. Like that's not why uh, Real Madrid fans are kind of like super upset. The reason they're upset is because earlier in the game, there's a similar player where the Sevilla defender goes up in a more in a more like. In a manner where he could kind of tell what he's doing more. Like, he's more aware of what he's doing. And the ball hits him in the forearm in front of his body. So, he's he's able to see he's able to see where the ball is coming. And the ball hits him in the forearm. He kind of turns a little bit, but it's in front of him. And they don't call that a penalty. It's kind of away from his body. It kind of hits him, like, right here. And then it deflects off him. And for that one, VAR didn't interfere. The ref didn't look at it. Maybe Real Madrid should have protested it a little harder. But that one just gets completely ignored. No no one from up top calls the referee. It's, hey, you know what? Take a look at this possible penalty. And then with the Mili one, that one gets called uh, a penalty. And it just seems like it was super unfair decision by the referee. It didn't look like they were calling the game equally. It looked like um, it kind of felt like they had an agenda against Real Madrid. Luckily for Real Madrid, they get a... Uh, they get a deflection goal in like the 93rd minute. They're able to tie the game 2-2, so they don't drop all three points. They're able to salvage one point, so they stay tied with Barcelona uh, in points. Real Madrid has 75, Barcelona 75. Real Madrid has the tiebreaker, so they're ahead of them. Atletico Madrid has 77, so they're two points ahead of Real Madrid. If Atletico Madrid tie a game and Real Madrid wins out, Real Madrid would still be the champions. So we'll see how this La Liga race finishes but back to the point, the Militao penalty, a similar situation I believe happened against Atletico Madrid where Real Madrid was calling for a penalty. Almost the same situation, ball hits the defender while he's turning in the back and the same call doesn't get called for Real Madrid. So it just seems like Eloki feels like the La Liga is conspiring against Real Madrid for them not to win the league. It has still been said that Real Madrid and Barcelona and Juventus still want to push with the plans to make the European Super League happen. So this, the rumors that are going around that La Liga is conspiring against Real Madrid for them not to win La Liga, they might have some merit to them just because La Liga probably does not want Real Madrid to win because they're one of the teams that... Well, all three of the teams wanted to be in the European Super League, but Real Madrid has Florentino Perez, who was like the driving force behind the European Super League. And he's the driving force behind them, still trying to make this league happen. So it would not surprise me if La Liga is trying to punish Real Madrid in a low-key, but not so low-key way. And it just seemed like this was a super unfair decision. I think the right decision, once that first penalty didn't get checked, once that one didn't get called for VAR, I think what should have happened is this Militao one is like, okay, well it's, almost, it's similar. It hit his hand. He's not looking. Uh, let's just let it go. But I think the ref was in a tough position, if I'm being 100% transparent. If that Militao um, handball didn't happen, or like if it happened and it just... If the play just finished on a like, let's say, like a Sevilla throw-in, or like a Real Madrid throw-in, or a Real Madrid kick, then maybe the ref doesn't call the penalty. But because Real Madrid got the counter tag, that led to a Real Madrid penalty of their own, and it probably was going to lead to a goalkeeper send-off. Then at that point, that's probably why he called the penalty. He's like, "Whoa!" Like the me not calling this penalty is has super consequential. Um, results on the other side it's not just like if I don't call this penalty it's gonna be a throw-in for Real Madrid and it's not the end of the world it's like if I don't call this penalty I gotta call a penalty on the other side and Sevilla are probably gonna go down a man so because of that I think that's why he was forced to call that penalty still super sketchy still seems like they had they had it out for Real Madrid I am glad that Real Madrid played with some heart they played with some after the, after the penalty, they, it did look like nothing was going to happen, but w- when they tied the game 1-1, it did look like Real Madrid was going to be the team to score that second goal first, so I, I was uh, I was happy to see that from Real Madrid. They played with some urgency, much different than the game midweek against Chelsea. That game against Chelsea was embarrassing. Um, I, I don't know what Saddam was trying with that back five line. I don't know where their hearts were in it or not it just looked like they were uh, comfortable just maybe going for a 0-0 at at the Chelsea Stadium at um sorry I'm fumbling the name but it just looked like they weren't eager to go look for the game it looked like they were content with just you know showing up and like if something happened like all right cool but they did show some urgency against Sevilla so I was glad to see that and we'll see how this La Liga race finishes. It's, it's been a crazy season. It's going to be a crazy finish. Uh, hopefully, as a Real Madrid fan, I hope that Atletico Madrid loses points. Um, their form has been up and down all season, and uh, I'm just happy to see another team being in the race too. This kind of takes Sevilla out of the race. If they would have won, they would have uh, gone up to 73. They would have been four points behind. Still had an outside shot. Now with three games left. Six points behind is looking very rough for Sevilla. But they had a great season, so shout-out for Sevilla. They're not responsible for the ref's decision. And for Real Madrid, at least they got a tie and it wasn't a loss. The Wolves came back against Brighton to win 2-1. Brighton took the lead early in a header. Wolves just looked terrible defending headers throughout the game. Throughout the first half especially, there was like a series of like three free kicks back to back to back where every single free kick, I mean corner kick, was ending with a shot on goal or it was ending with a Brighton player headering the ball. And that was very concerning because it just looked like any any corner kick that Brighton had, Wolves were unable to defend. Thankfully, as a Wolves fan, the Wolves were able to come back. Uh, I, was, I was glad about when I saw the lineup. Um... I was glad that Kilman got some playing time. I think he, he should have gotten more throughout the season. It was nice to see Hover get a start at the right back. Nari, starting at left back again. And then uh, Vitinha, obviously he was man of the match the last game. He got a start again. Gibbs White, I've been a fan of Gibbs White, so it was nice to see him start. Fabio Silva, um, he played with a lot of energy. It looks like he's getting stronger, and he might be getting a little faster, so... Uh, i'm I'm really liking the improvement that Fabio Silva is having, but onto this game, um to tell two halves, wolves kind of started good the first five ten minutes, and then the the Brighton goal came on, and then they kind of fell flat. They did come out in the second half with a lot of energy. I thought Gibbs White was gonna score a goal in the bottom left corner of the goalkeeper uh good save by Sanchez. he sent it to a corner kick. But it looked like Real Madrid. I mean, Real Madrid. I looked like Wolves were on on the up and coming. It looked like they were going to have a good second half. And then Dunk, the goal scorer for Brian, on the header, he he gets a dumb red card. Um, Fabio Silva is played on through by Vitinha, and he pulls in dumb foul. He like like the commentator said, Silva still had a lot to do. He was still probably like thirty min thirty twenty meters from the goalkeeper, so you know he, he had to keep composure he had to keep his dribble going and the goalkeeper was probably going to close him out it was it was going to be a one-on-one situation but it wasn't like the easiest one-on-one situation dunk decides to pull his jersey and brighton lose a man after that it was all wolves wolves were down 1-0 and it just looked like the goal was going to come and uh it did with uh who's the goal scorer uh oh yeah it was uh it was uh, Traude. Beautiful link-up play by Traude and uh, Silva. Traore looked dangerous the whole game. I was happy to see him uh, be, have an impact on the game. And Silva, that link-up play, Silva's link-up play is really improving as the season, season has gone out. He's starting to justify his $35 million. Or thirty-five million euros, whatever it was, price tag. He, he's definitely developing as the season is going on. So very excited for Silva. I think he has a bright future. He's eighteen years old, so I think the sky is the limit. They say strikers don't hit their peak till twenty-six to like twenty-nine. So in ten years, Silva will be in his peak, and he's already like showing some dividends. He's so, he's already showing that he's capable of playing at this level. So I'm very excited to see how Fabio Silva turns out. But this this last half of the season, this last third of the season. He's been very impressive. And like I said, Wolves had an extra man. They were the ones proposing the teams. They are going for the win. Uh, Brighton had a very bad play where they're trying to play the ball back to the keeper. They leave it short. Traore intercepts the ball. He, it's a tight angle. He probably could have shot to goal, and he might have scored. He decides to cut it back, gives it to Morgan Gibbs-White. And Gibbs-White skies it and misses everything. He doesn't even get on target. He skies in. and it just looks like it was going to be a 1-1 tie. You see Nuno's reaction. He's super frustrated. He's like, he can't believe that Gibbs-White wasn't able to finish that. But soccer is funny sometimes. Gibbs-White gets his revenge. Uh, beautiful play, beautiful run by Outnore on the left side. He does some—he shimmies. He gets, he gets a player leaning. He goes to the touchline, gets a ball, gets a cross in. It deflects off a Brighton player. And it falls for Gibbs White. His first shot gets blocked. The rebound sits perfectly for him. He puts it on the top right corner. He finishes it. One of the Wolves homegrown players gets the winner. Wolves win 2-1. It was an exciting game. Shout out to the Wolves for getting the victory. Shout out for Gibbs White for uh, not giving up, for not going too down on themselves, for scoring the game winner and making up the, the open goal shot that he missed. The ball was bouncing a little bit, so we gotta forgive him a little bit. But I'm glad that he got his first Premier League goal. Like I said, he's a homegrown talent, Gibbs White. He gets a lot of slack from the fans, so I'm very happy for him for getting this game winner. And I'm happy for the Wolves because this overall was a very promising game. It was a very promising result, and it was it was a very it was a fun game to watch for the Wolves. And if I'm being honest, not not too many of their games this year have been fun to watch, where you just you're just happy to be watching Wolves. Fo- you're not just happy to be watching Wolves football because you're a Wolves fan. Like, you're just thoroughly enjoying the game. This was one of those games where you were thoroughly, especially the second half, you thoroughly were enjoying the game. There was chances. Um, they looked like they were playing with a lot of intensity. So I thoroughly enjoy this game. Um, I'm I'm really enjoying what I see from Silva, um, from Kibbs White, from Vitinha, uh, from Killman, from Hover, from Outnery. We'll see uh, how many of these loanies we keep. I think Vitinha, we got to keep no matter what. Uh, I hope we don't loan Gibbs White out. I hope we keep him in the roster next year. Uh, we do got to build a deeper squad with uh, larger pull players. This small squad thing has shown that it doesn't work. And if we do transition to a back four, we do got to get uh, another starting center back. Cal- caliber starting center back. And we got to move on for some players. But overall... The Wolves win. We could still, uh, the Wolves could still finish with fifty-four points on the season, which would be a great result, which would be extraordinary considering all the injuries, playing without Raúl Jiménez, the the lack of form that we had in the middle of the season. If if the Wolves run the table, they would still finish with fifty-four points, I believe, which would be a great output, which would be a a great season. So we'll see if they're able to do it. But overall, they showed heart. They came back from a two-one deficit, and. It, it was a positive game. Everything said it was a positive game. Chelsea and City also played this weekend in a preview of the Champions League final. Chelsea come back and beat City 2-1. It looks like Thomas Tuchel has Pep Guardiola's number right now. He beat him in the semifinal of the League of the League Cup. Uh, I believe he beat him in the first fixture in the Premier League. He beats him again. And now we'll see if... Uh, if he beats him in the Champions League final, then too cool, too cool for manager of the year. But overall, it was a great game. It was it was intense. Uh, it was fun. I, I'm pretty sure both managers didn't put their best lineup. They didn't want to, you know, show all their cards. They didn't want to um, play the, the lineup they're probably going to use in the Champions League final. And I, I think that was uh, to be expected. We saw... Uh, Nahuedo get some playing time. Uh we saw Gilmore start for Chelsea. We saw uh Marco Alonso start, Ciseste started, Pulisic started, um for for city, um Laporte Ake Diaz. So not not the usual starting uh, center backs. Rudy played. Um, so so overall, uh this was not the starting lineup that we're gonna see in the Champions League final. So you got to take the result with a grain of salt. I'm pretty sure both both coaches held back. They didn't want to show all their cards, uh, given that City most likely is going to win the league, regardless of this result. And Chelsea, it was a more important game for Chelsea, but they're pretty much, I think they're going to finish top four. They're going to finish in the Champions League spot. So I think both coaches did not want to show all their cards. They didn't want to show the other coach like everything they got. But it was a very entertaining game. Uh, Sterling gets the goal to open it. Kunagüero had two chances to score in this game. In Sterling's goal, Kunagüero could either hit it first time and score a goal, or he, I think he, he tried to take a touch to, to score on the second touch, but he had a horrible first touch. Sterling was running, and he just pushed it in for him instead of Kunagüero. And then right before the half, when City was up 1-0, Cuneguero, uh I think Jesus got the, drew a penalty. Kuno Guerrero steps up to make it 2-0 right before halftime. Uh, we don't know how many more goals Kuno is going to score for City. We, know, we don't know how many, how much more playing time he's going to score for City. This could have been the last chance for Kuno Guerrero to score a goal. Probably the last penalty he's going to take with Chelsea. And kuno Guerrero steps up and he tries to do the panenka. And he completely flops it. Mendy stops. Mendy stops the shot. And... Aguero is left embarrassed. It it feels like it feels like uh this might be the last we see of Aguero. I don't know how many more playing time he's gonna get. Uh Peck Guardiola did look very, very upset. He was like, What is this man doing? Like his reaction in the in the sideline was pretty funny. And Aguero did apologize after after the game, saying, like, oh, my bad for doing that. Cause he basically cost them the game. If they wouldn't have been up too, old, then I don't know how much Chelsea's still playing with a lot of hearts, so they might have still tied it. But 2-0 right before the half would have been like a knockout punch. Or it would have demoralized Chelsea right before the half. But in the second half Chelsea played really well. Um C-Sage scored the uh the tying goal, 1-1, second goal of the season. Good job for him. Um hopefully he picks up his form a little bit. Hopefully this uh gets him feeling good about himself and he's able to really live up to that price tag that he came from. From Ajax, I believe. And then Alonso scores the winner in the 93rd minute. This was very controversial, too, because right before um, Alonso scores the game-winning goal, uh, I believe Sterling got into the into the Chelsea box. And Rudiger... Was it Rudiger or was it... Yeah, it was Rudiger, right? Or no, Suma. Suma is right behind Sterling and he's he's clumsy it looks like he's very clumsy looks like he clips Sterling and he's trying to keep his distance from him he's trying to not knock him down but it looks like he gets a decent amount of contact with Sterling Sterling falls to the ground uh Mendy comes and picks up the ball and they call nothing they don't call a penalty Pep is going crazy um he's talking to all the sideline referees he's being very very uh like animated on his thing and uh two minutes later Alonso gets the game winning goal and Pep gets even more mad so overall it was a great game uh, I think Conte showed his class he's he's a world-class player um Cizic it was good to see him get on the scoreline Alonso keeps proving how good he is going forward he he has an eye for getting in the box and scoring Agüero, very embarrassing. Uh, if, if this is the last we see of Agüero with City, I think it, it would be disappointing. It would be a sad way to go out for Agüero. Hopefully, for his sake, uh, he gets a little bit of playing time in, you know, the Champions League final or something, and he they're able to lift the trophy. But overall, it was a very fun game, it was an entertaining game. I, I enjoyed watching it. Um, but Chelsea, Chelsea, uh, basically secured a Champions League spot with this victory. Um, and Thomas Tuchel keeps on showing how good of a coach he is. Um, no offense to Lampard, but Tuchel has completely changed his team. He has them in the in the final of the Champions League. He, he, he got them to a Champions League spot in the Premier League. Um, he's in the final of the League Cup. So just great stuff. Great stuff by uh, Thomas Tuchel. He, he's in play for getting a double. He could get the FA Cup. He could get the Champions League and he could finish in the top four spot in the Premier League. And I think that would be amazing. Coach of the year, he pulls that off. And for PSG, they let him go and they replaced him with Porticino. And now it looks like PSG is not going to win the French League for the first time in a long, long in a while. I believe they've won like six or seven straight. So they might have messed up. And one man's trash is another man's treasure. I think Chelsea really hit it with Tuchel. I think they. Should, I don't know if it's been released yet, but I think there's rumors that they're they're getting ready to re-sign him. I think they just signed him for this season when when they signed him halfway through the season. So I would not be surprised if they give him like a three year to five year extension. He's more than earned it. And Chelsea, if Chelsea continues this form going into next year, they could be real title contenders. The title contenders that we thought they were going to be this year, they could be title. They could be that type of title contender next year, especially with Tuchel. First thing he did was switch to a back to a back three with three center backs, and I think that's provided so much of stability for Chelsea, not just in the back but going forward. I think players move, go up and join the attack with more confidence, with more with more uh, at peace. They're more at peace going forward because they know that their defense is so solid. Um, Mendy has been a key signing too. He, he was there when Lampard was there, but he's been great. Um, he's one of the best keepers in the Premier League. Overall, though, great game. I'm excited to see the Champions League final. I hope uh, there were some people saying that Chelsea didn't have what it takes to compete against City in the Champions League final. I think they do. I think it's going to be an interesting game. And I'm very excited to see how that plays out. But to finish off, DK Metcalf competes in the 100-meter preliminaries. He does decently enough. He finishes with a 10.37 time. 10 seconds, 0.37 um, he finished ninth in his heat. So last place in his heat. He finished fifteenth among uh, out of the seventeenth that who competed in the in the U.S. Track and Field Golden Games. Uh, in the distance open in Walnut, California. Uh, my takeaway from this is DK Metcalf, I'm very impressed by your speed, but I'm more impressed by you know your determination and you know not being embarrassed. To, like he could have. Like 10:37 was really good. He could have done way worse than this and got embarrassed. He he didn't finish. He finished last on his seat, but he didn't finish last overall. And all these people, that's all they do. They just train for to be runners. This is this is their their main. This is their main sport. This is all they do. This they dedicate their whole lives basically to this. And for DK Metcalf, who's a professional NFL player, professional football player, to take to start training for a couple months and you know not finish last and you know, not get destroyed out there. I think it just shows how much of an athlete he is. Um, but that being said, like, you know, 1037, he's not, he's, he wasn't, like, close to, you know, finishing in a in a spot that would have gotten him into the Olympics. Because there is some people are, like, really using hyperbole and saying that he, if he trains for, like, a year or something, he could probably qualify to the Olympics. I think maybe he's really quick, and maybe if you give him a year, he'll finish a little closer, but I think... I think he's just not like built to be a sprinter at like at an Olympics. That takes nothing away from him. He's still like a world-class athlete and I think he has the potential to be a uh, elite wide receiver. He's already a really good wide receiver. He could be he could push to be like the best or the second best wide receiver in the NFL and he's a specimen especially cuz for him to be running at that weight at that height is impressive and it's super super impressive. Like don't don't take anything away from that, but there is levels to this and the, these people Are freak athletes too? Like, don't just think that NFL athletes are the only freak athletes out there. These guys are freak athletes too, and they wouldn't be able to take hits in the NFL like DK Metcalf does. So it's you know they all have their they all have their uh, things that they're really good at. They all have their trade, and I think it was just it was just ballsy by DK Metcalf. Like he said, he was not afraid to get embarrassed. He was not afraid to fail, and I think that's the thing I'm most impressed about. About D.K. Metcalf, that like he was not afraid to fail. He wanted to try it. It was a dream of his to try to get into the Olympics to compete at at that level. And he competed, and yeah, he finished fifteenth out of seventeenth. But I think it was very impressive. And I, I think I'll use that in my personal life just to be like motivation whenever I want to try something that I might be good at, but I don't know how good I really am. Like to not be afraid to compete with the elite players because or the elite people. Like you never know. And D.K. Metcalf just shows. A lot of heart, and you know, I, if I was a Seahawks fan, if I was, if I'm a fan of the NFL, I think this just makes me more of a fan of DK Metcalf. Like it just shows his competitiveness. It just shows how much of a competitor he is. He he just loves to compete. He's a competitor. Uh, he knows he's a good runner. He wanted to see how good he was against the other ones, against the best in the world. He's he's not he's not he's not there. But at least now he knows he got that itch. He got that itch out of his body. He he. Uh, He completed something that he wanted to complete and you always gotta applaud someone for doing that. So shout out for DK Metcalf. Now I wanna see I want the thing I'm curious about if it if this uh if this gets other NFL players to maybe try to do this too. Like I'm thinking like Tyree Kill or any anybody else, Ted Ginn Jr. on his day or anybody, but DK Metcalf, like this was fun. It was fun to see. It, It got it got the sport of track and field a lot of headlines because everybody was covering this. Like all the NFL media outlets were talking about this. Um, I saw it a lot on Twitter, so it gave uh, track and field a good spotlight. It gave him like a lot of TV time. So I think this is good for the sport. Um, obviously, DK Metcalf was not trying to. He he was he's fast enough t- to where like he's not trying to like embarrass the sport or he's not doing this just for publicity. Like he legit thought that he he could beat them that he could compete. We saw that he he's not there, but like I don't think this was an insult to track and field. Like he's a legit athlete, and he, he honestly wanted to try. He came out short, but props to DK Metcalf for trying. And now this get this got me a little bit more into track and field. I kind of want to watch a little bit more. So if, if if that's I'm I'm sure some people took that away from this too. So shout out for DK Metcalf for getting track and field some attention. But that should wrap it up for episode 46 of the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast uh the nba season is finishing up so keep up with that i should be dropping a podcast soon talking about how this season concludes also the champions league finals coming up and yeah we'll see what else happens in the nfl offseason. there there seems something seems to be popping off every single week so just tune into the podcast thank you so much for supporting subscribe to the youtube channel subscribe to the podcast have a great rest of your day i am out